Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. So here we are again, Liberty listeners, and this time we've got something new. We've got two women that we're interviewing and a partnership, which I'm so excited to get into. We've got Kimberly Cavaco and Kate Nolan of Graced by Grit. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. It's nice to have you here today. Thanks for having us. And we're, I wish everyone could see, we're like in sunny Southern California, only just really a view from the, from the beach. We're in LA, so we don't get this all the time, but you guys, you guys are on the beach, right? Yes. And where are you? We're located in Solana Beach, California, and you can take the train there. We're right across from the train station. (laughs) It's a good tip for all of us from LA. So um, thanks again for being here. I want to start out the interview um, really just briefly before we get into your background and your story. Tell us what Grace by Grit is so all of our listeners have some context. At Grace by Grit, we manufacture premium women's athletic apparel, Our target market is a 30 to 60 year old woman, but we have teens wearing it and uh, grandmas who are rocking it. Okay, so your demographic is our demographic, which we love. We are all about, we we say that there's life after the top knot. So that 35 plus, we're all about that. So that's awesome. And then um, tell us, just give us a little bit of your background. How did you guys meet? What's the story? There's always an interesting partnership story. Yeah, so Kimberly and I met. I was her um, sun swim coach. Um, at a boys and girls club in Solana Beach, California. And she approached me asking for if I knew of a triathlon coach because she was going to train for her first triathlon. Cool. Awesome. And I said, yeah, you're looking at her. Because on the side, I coached women's running groups and and one-on-one sessions and obviously as a swim coach. Um, And so she hired me. And little did I know that we had three weeks to get her ready for this triathlon. Are you kidding? No. (laughs) Had you been doing anything up to that point? No, and I hadn't thought of doing a triathlon okay, the day you. before, yeah. but I was on the <laughs> sidelines at a soccer game, and one of the moms said, uh, I'm a triathlete, and I'm doing this triathlon in honor of Chelsea King, who, yeah. um, for people from San Diego, they know about her. She was a teen that was brutally murdered while out for a trail run. And now, in California, we're all thankful to her parents that took that gritty moment and turned it into a grace for all of us because they've changed the law in the state of California and the Chelsea's Light Foundation is changing the laws for everyone. But at this point, they hadn't done it yet. It was 2010 and they were just wanting someone to do a triathlon in their daughter's name and continue that on. They hadn't started their mission of Chelsea's Light Foundation. But I joined that triathlon and decided, if, you know what, she can't do it, I can. Yeah. And uh, luckily, with the help of the coach, I did. And when we were training, I'd look down at her. I mean, you can see her, but your listeners can't. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, if I look like that, I would be a triathlon coach too, right? <laughs> sure, sure. And if my clothing looked like that, because... Everything looks good on someone who's super, super fit and super young. But, you know, when you get a little older, gravity takes control. And I'm an engineer by background. And so I thought, wow, if we could get compressive clothing that's UPF 50 plus, maybe we can um, keep me, my skin looking young like hers, 
and lift my butt up a little bit so it looks nice, like Nice, nice. I like yeah. where you're going with this. So That's awesome. we just started talking about it mainly as a way to slow her down from, you know, the oh, sprint. a total distraction tactic, by yes. the way. <laughs> but that was in 2010. And in 2013, we were talking again and said, you know what, let's just do it. So we did. We started, we branded our company in 2013, started making clothes in 2014, started selling them, and we opened our first store in 2015. Oh, that's awesome. Where's the store? Solana Beach, California, right across from the train station. (laughs) I love it. So we've got transportation and then something to shop for when we get there. Absolutely. Okay, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about in that, was it three-year period? that you guys were talking and kind of drumming up this idea for Grace by Grit. What are the things that, did you know at that point, this is the demographic we want to serve, did you know about the technology of workout wear, athleisure wear, athletic wear? What did you know that you wanted to do differently? Well, at the time, we just thought it was a great idea. We didn't think that we were necessarily the ones that were going to do it. My husband was chairman of a large athletic apparel company. And so we said to him, this is what you need to do. You need to put a whistle in every single pants. You need to make the clothes UPF 50 plus. You need to make them tight and compressive to support women. And he said, yeah, but all that costs. And I'm onto a good thing right now and I'm preparing for a sale. So he didn't do it. And we would just meet up when she'd train me, train my husband, train and my just talk, you'd be talking about We'd it. We'd just be talking about it. Well, and then I was hearing I mean, I was hearing from the women that I was training too, runners, in terms of the quality of the fabrics, what they wish they could wear, um, what they were wearing. I mean, I was seeing the phenomenon of women not just wearing clothes to work out, but sure. wearing them to go out sure. to meet their friends for coffee. I mean, that yeah. was exploding. And so we would go back to each other and talk about that. But it really wasn't until no one was doing the safety components that we were looking for, the comp- impressive features that we were looking for in clothes that we thought, you know what, we were on to something here that no one's doing. And we have the expertise of her background and me being an athlete and a trainer to really make a great team. Plus, we both have kids, so we were at the same place, you know, in yeah, our in, lives. In your life. So, yeah. So. Well, that's an interesting um, thing to think about, too. Like, where were you in your life that you thought, okay, we can do this. We can take this leap and go into business together because you were training full-time, part-time? Like, what was going on in your personal life that this was a fit? I mean, I was definitely, I was looking for something that would really be a passion. I mean, training people and and being with people is definitely something I love and learning about people and what they do and who they are. But beyond that, I mean, you can't be a trainer for the rest of your life. I was running up to three hours a day. I couldn't maintain that the rest of my life. I knew that. And I was ready to start a career. I had a baby very young. That was my gritty moment. And so me having a career was sort of that next level of what I wanted to get to. I didn't know that it was going to be starting my own company, but with Kimberly's background and when we met, it was definitely a great combination. We have a lot of chemistry together that um, we, you know, we, we not only did we think we had this great idea, but we spent a lot of time together to determine whether or not we could work together and have a partnership together. And that was, um, and that was key to starting our business was knowing that piece. Sure. And how about for you, Kimberly? Was it well, well where, where were you in your life that you felt like this is a good time for me? Well, to, when to we started training, I had just quit a partnership that I'd been in for a very long time. And I wasn't working. I was running galas and golf tournaments sure. and everything for the school. And yeah. as much fun as that is. Yeah. I did think, you know, giving free consulting to my husband about his businesses, it'd be fun to do something on my own. So it was just it was just the right time. Yeah, we both right felt timing. it and 
I wanted some clothes that I could train in and I wasn't finding them anywhere. So I figured we had to make them. Yeah. And so you talked a lot about the safety component. You've talked about the sun protection and you've talked about the, um, well, I just heard lifting the butt was right. all the I heard. Fit. I know it's there's the fit. <laughs> but what, what, what expertise did you have to find to supplement what you didn't know? Like, what did you do to find people that could actually make that, create that, manufacture that? Well, we were super lucky okay. because, as my, I said, my husband was chairman sure. of a company. And in that situation, the people that work for him are always very happy to help. So we got so much nice. great advice from uh, people that worked with him, worked for him. They were phenomenal yeah. in helping us put the whole business together, find suppliers. And finding people, we, you know, we outsourced. You know, obviously, we don't have design backgrounds, but we both have the same taste in what we like to feel what we like to how we like to feel with what we're wearing and what clothes we think look good on women and so we had that going for us but we did outsource people to help design the patterns not the actual products we right. designed each and right. every one of those products and we went to all of our friends too and and said and women I trained and said what is it that you love that you wear and how would you make it different? Sure. And we got how do you some make it incredible better? feedback yeah. with Yeah, that. well, it sounds like you had years of really your own focus group being Absolutely. able to get that information Absolutely. and hear what they wanted. And for me, I've been sewing since I was six or seven. So um, I could see, okay, this would be a difficult construction. This wouldn't. I'd say that for us, I mean, one of the things that we were also told, and I know you'll want to talk about that later, but yeah. we were giving lots of advice that we took because they were industry experts, but we probably shouldn't have. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. so save that. That's a nugget. I can tell. Um, so basically what I hear is the f what fueled becoming an entrepreneur is both a need you both wanted to really pursue something for you like I wanted a career beyond being a trainer and for you like the galas have been fun and that's been a great space in life um, and a great way to support your family and your kids you know to get involved but I was looking for something that I could pour myself into is that accurate yeah, yeah okay. that's accurate and then having it sounds like both knowing what you saw missing in the market and then having access as a resource to people that could help you achieve right. that. So you, it's sort of like this was all was in front of you be. and you were cobbling it up together. Well, you can miss what's meant to be, That's right? That's true. You That's can true. miss it. I think you mm -hmm. have to be able to identify it and then piece it all together. Right. And that's what I hear in your story, that you guys yeah, were piecing it, it together. coming back to us, right? We would be, I mean, she'd be running and people would, say to her while they were running, boy, I wish my shorts had a bigger pocket for my phone. I hate having to run holding my phone. Or, you know, I'd continue to talk to the people around Chelsea King saying, gosh, a whistle. How did, do you ever yeah. remember to grab a whistle yeah. in the morning? How do we make noise if we're hurt on the trail or if we're out in the water stand up paddling? For me, my kids were in the water. I live right by the ocean. But if they're in the water and they need help, in their distress, how do we get them? So we just kept hearing these things, and because we had talked about it once, we just kept adding the data points. And when did you finally feel like, so that three years had passed, you'd done your research, you had access to um, people that could help you develop the technology and the brand and the design. When did you say, we're going for it, and how did you decide that a partnership was a good way to go. You would come out, Kimberly, you would come out of a partnership, you said. Correct. 
Um, had you ever had a partnership or were you? I did. I okay. did. I was an entrepreneur. So okay. I, I, I started a um, home staging business okay. yeah. and, a, and helping businesses um, get organized. Yeah. Called Absolutely Organized. Yeah. Um, I like but, it. <laughs> so I did have a partnership previously and I had coached so many people both in the pool and on on land, running them around. That um, I, I mean, I love working with women specifically. She likes people, yeah. what I to do. people what to I, do. I, I, yeah. I think we complemented each other yeah. really well. And the time that we did spend researching the market and making sure you that we to worked well that. together was yeah. yeah, we were yeah. seeing that we worked really well together. And what I lacked maybe in experience in business, she definitely had. And what she lacked maybe as an athlete, I had. So it was just a great combination. And we realized what we both lacked when we were coming up with names for the business. <laughs> So we a lot of really bad names, but the great thing about us is, you know, we don't mess around. If we realize we can't do it, we immediately go to an industry expert and we found someone who listened to us and they came up with the name that we would have come up with had we been smart enough in that area. Right. Or just been asked the right questions. Yeah. For us, it was, you know, what unites us. The thing that unites us, even though we're 20 years apart, is that we both had this gritty moment, a, a pivot in our life that could have broken us. But instead, it was a grace. Oh, she's going to cry. She likes to do that. Yeah, I think I'm going to cry too. So can you share a little bit of what that grit was for both of you? Because I think our listeners are all, if they're honest... They can identify well, their at least one gritty moment and absolutely. how you change I mean, every that. woman has sure. lots of gritty moments sure. in her life that really define her. And what we both realized very from the very beginning when I started training her was um, that we'd each experience a major gritty moment that had really defined who we were mm-hmm. and the decisions we made after that. And for me, I was pregnant in college. I was a, a junior in college, yeah. and I found out I was having a baby. And, I mean, it was the best gift I could ever get, right? It's yeah. my best grace. Yeah. Um, but when you're a 20-year-old young woman it's quite a gift it's a lot to take on and um I think that you know that for me was my gritty moment my my daughter my six my daughter's now 16 so she always likes to throw that back in my face (laughs) I'm just your gritty moment (laughs) but but she's the beginning of everything she's the beginning of everything you thought that was your gritty (laughs) actually wait a minute (laughs) yeah exactly this is now my gritty moment okay good it's a warning I have a 13 year old so thank you for that okay it's coming and how about you Kimberly what was what 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 do you identify as that gritty moment that you've I been mean, able to I mean, for turn? me, yeah. I've had a series of gritty moments in my life. My mom was a single mom. Oh, <laughs> like, hey, yeah. just think yeah. how hard it is for her. But for me, I was widowed at 30 years old. Mm. And I thought, well, you know, fine. I'm just going to leave the country. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went and helped privatize a telephone company in South America. And it was really fun. But, you know, it... It was great. It was uh, professionally gratifying and uh, intellectually. Oh did it for our business, by right? the way, because yeah. all that business experience <laughs> right. definitely led yes. back. Yeah. And intellectually stimulating. But then I met the love of my life, and I have two great kids. And so it was a gritty moment, but it's a grace. Yeah. It's amazing to be able to be in a point in life where you can have that perspective and look back mm. and just I because you can't in the moment you just know that it's hard you just right. know that it's difficult well, that's so much of our story yeah. of of the brand itself I mean graced by grit is about that is about celebrating those gritty moments in women's lives and and how they become your graces but so often we meet women that are going through those gritty moments and you know they're often sweating their way through it right so sure. they're looking for athletic apparel and our story really resonates with them and there are these moments that Kimberly and I you know that we can't even imagine and so you right. know just an example of that is 
when we it was, we were probably a year into our business and I was driving the coast to work and we were on a conference call and I saw this group of women with bright colored clothes and I thought wait a minute they're wearing our clothes and so I was I, so excited oh, it was so wow. excited I was so excited so I had to pull over and I went up to them and I said I love your office and she <laughs> said oh it's this company graced by grit you should really you should really check it out she goes but I said actually I know I know that company I started and she goes but you don't even know what graced by grit means and I said well then tell me what does it mean uh, and she said I'm a single mom with four kids I'm with stage four breast cancer right now my daughter who was there with her is my caretaker we're here for a photo shoot because a magazine was celebrating her life and she chose to wear our clothes and she said that when she went through chemotherapy every single time her visualization gosh. was the words graced by grit because that defined who she was and she was absolutely right I had no idea what that meant I love that she took the time to tell you the way you had impacted her yeah. life and that and it was something be, I mean it's the evidence of something that's bigger than the two of you absolutely and, and we I'm hear sure that you see that over time and, and, time and, and, time and each again. and every time it it's, it's just as special and I think right. that really our brand is I mean we're making fantastic clothes that fit well the quality is there um, everyone's butt looks fantastic in it, which we all want as women. Yeah. But it's a, it's a bigger story. Go it's out about and so, yes, exactly. right away, ladies. <laughs> but it's no, about but it's, celebrating women, and that I mean, for us, is the joy of this business. It's um, you know empowering women and creating this engaged community. Our customers, I mean, they're women, so of course sure. they're going to tell us what's right, what's wrong, what we need to do. We love that. I mean, yeah. they are so engaged and so much fun, and we have just had such a good time. Getting, getting to know these women. For me, that's one of the greatest surprises. I was always in business with men. I, mean, I have my four besties that I've been around forever. But it was amazing to realize just how incredible women are and how supportive and how great they are together. Our office, we have the smartest, best women. She goes to oh, Waterworks. Here we go. But it's... <laughs> And let me just tell you, our partnership went beyond business yesterday because I was oh, there with there the pool. Yeah. Death. Oh, so, oh yeah. wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Unfortunately. And, our biz, and I think that is also the difference of having a women-run business is we are we are constantly experiencing other people's personal lives because women don't just right. leave that at the door when they walk into the workspace. Sure. But specifically for our business, it, that lends itself to it because it's about the celebration of all these different moments in your life, whether they're good or they're bad. And women love to hear it and they love to talk about it. And so that has really led to a lot of our success. We were just on the way up. We were talking about when you are a women-owned, women-run company, there is sort of this, at least you hope, there's this inherent responsibility to care for each other as women. And mm -hmm. that, you know, there are moments... Um, and I know I speak for myself, I want to run that kind of a business. I want to run a business that is all the things that I say that it can be for women. But then there's the business side and like, oh, okay, how much maternity leave do I give? Because I really need that smart person in that, in that position. How have you accommodated for that? Like allowing your business to really serve women in a way that is sort of truly feminist, but in a way that is um, in sync with what your needs are as a business? Like what, well, what's the, been the secret sauce there? 
If you call customer service and you hear a whooshing sound in the background, that's not the ocean. That's <laughs> our customer surprised. service. Yeah, she might be pumping or actually it. feeding. I so the um, so that's our answer. Like oh, you guys yeah. mean it? Oh, we, You're bringing we, it into absolutely. the office. Absolutely. I mean, when that same woman started with us on her first baby, her baby would come to work with her, and that was absolutely possible. But we said to her when she came and said, "I want a job." We looked at the infant in her arms and we said she's only a few months old she goes I know but I really want to work I need to do it for me and we said okay and so that little girl took her first crawl in our office her first steps in our office once she started grabbing product off the shelf though she (laughs) went to preschool (laughs) yeah yeah, but we've really, I mean, we have made it work. It's not a nine-to-five office. I mean, our, our office is open nine-to-five, and there, our employees are all there during that sure. time. But for us and for our partnership, we started our day at 5.30 so that we can set the tone for the day and also so that we can take time in the afternoon to be available to our teenagers. Good orthodontist yeah, appointments. I mean, yes. You know, as a mom, uh-huh. we're trying to combine that all, and we're really accommodating to the women that work for us. We oftentimes have, we have a lot of what we call fit shops or trunk shows on the road and they're in locations where our employees have family or friends and so it's like hey we're going to send you there it's an opportunity to sell the product but it's also an opportunity for you to have time with family and those experiences really have grown our company because it becomes you know everyone's involved and everyone's family and friends are becoming involved with it and it's about celebrating those moments in women's lives that you know that oftentimes aren't talked about in a corporate world. It's sure. just you show up, you clock in, you clock out. And for us, it's, you know, that is not the case. We have women working at nine o'clock at night to catch up after their kids have gone to bed. Guilty. You know, yeah, we have a, yeah. a recent hire who really likes Friday night. So she comes in at 7 a.m. Friday, leaves at 3 p.m. Yep. And then she has all Friday afternoon to get ready for Friday night. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah, we make it work. And we, yeah. you know, we, we love we love to figure out ways to make it work. Obviously, we are running a business. And yeah. so it's important that people do what they say they're going to do. And as long as they're doing that. Then you're good. Yeah. And it sounds like what that engenders in terms of the team, all the, whether it's the flexibility or the, just the acknowledgement that there are phases and seasons of life mm-hmm. is a loyalty toward you and toward the brand. And even as you talk about in, inviting the families into it, it's like everybody's excited about what mom's doing or, you know, what my wife or whatever. Well, the and most of be. our, the women actually in our office, I would say, well, half of them are moms and the other half are just launching their careers right. um, and or are not moms. Yeah. And so there's, you know, there's a real understanding for where any, every one of us is at in our life. And, and it's, you know, whether you have children or you don't have children, you need to take time for you. Right. And we all pitch in. I mean, there have yeah. been times Kate and I have been stuck in a business meeting and we need someone to run grab our child from school. Or we have um, an employee whose parent is dying and we say, okay, we're going to have a fit shop in yeah. that town so you can go up, spend time with your mom and get some new customers for us. Well, yeah. I mean, I had surgery last year and my living room became my office for a couple of weeks and everyone got to know me really on a different yeah. level at that point. <laughs> More than they had anticipated. They're like, oh, hey, Kate. But uh, work after you've done. So it happened, that's, yeah. Okay. So in creating that, you've been able to do that for how many employees do you have now? So we have 11 full-time employees. Okay. So do you imagine a scenario in which in three years when you've got hundreds of employees, you can maintain that? Or is, is, is it in your mind that our goal is to keep our core team really tight? Like, what's that I, growth plan look like? 
I, for us, because we can outsource so much of it, I think we can keep our core team okay. really tight, add a few industry experts here and there. And the great thing about our business is we do like to hire women at all phases of their career. So we have some contract employees that work a certain number of hours a week, and we may hire more of them. But we're pretty tight. We're, we're ready to scale. Yeah, we're definitely ready to scale. And to Kimberly's point, I mean, I think you know, if we open another store, that's a different, you know, the employees yeah. that work in our store, they have shifts, right? That's yeah. a different deal. Yeah. Um, but often in our store in Solana Beach, the women that are working the morning shifts are moms that are each working just one shift a it's, week. It's and that's fitting how into it's their fitting their into life. their life. Yeah. Exactly. They work in the summer. Because they're with their kids and they're taking trips to marvelous places. And college <laughs> students and graduate and have, students are yeah, back in town exactly, and looking for and jobs. they're just starting yeah. to come in, the interns. And that's great because we also have these kids in all phases of their lives. So sometimes in the office with a bunch of women, the discussions digress. And we look over and we say, <laughs> oh my gosh, we have a girl here is only a few months out of high school yeah. and now she knows what childbirth is I like know. Yeah. she's right. like thanks for that she's right. walking around with a notepad behind yeah. you guys I love it okay so you talked about the ability to scale and the size of the business and um, being able to outsource so much tell us a little bit about how you made uh, your decisions and and perhaps if you feel like you're still in that midst of how much is online sales like what, what how much of that portion of your business gets your attention how much is the retail like we need that tactile experience for the consumer and then how much um, is trying to get other stores to carry your product so for for us we started our company um, as a direct-to-consumer brand and we in order to grow it as a direct-to-consumer brand, we host what we call fit shops, which I mentioned yep. earlier, that are trunk shows. So to get the word out there, but then to drive the online sales. So and get the tactile feel, by yeah, the way. Exactly. I mean, women love to talk. They love to be with other women. They trust 90% of women will take the recommendation of another woman. Absolutely. Over only 14% will take the recommendation of an ad, yeah. right? So we need to be there with women. Stores, the retail experience... Unless we control it, we're not a big fan of. We don't want our premium clothing squished between some, you know, inexpensive. Yeah. Or what's the thing they, made? A consumer can't distinguish the value proposition well, the store when it's all. Doesn't necessarily yeah. know our story and sure. what the difference is. And I also think, you know, for us that that doesn't mean that we're not doing any um, wholesale because we are. That was about fifteen percent of our business last year, and that primary reason was for marketing okay. so getting into high-end retailers where our customers will be and where we can really um, educate the staff that's working there about why our product is different so that they can sell it um, so that's been the strategy to get it into the hands so then to drive the online sales capsule collections in those places so that the customers go there and they touch and feel it they wear it they love it and then they say where can I get yeah, additional pieces and, and then they go to gracebygrit.com and get it Okay, so that's been a very strategic piece of yes. how you distribute and where you're going to end up both in the past and in, in your future. Growing our online sales is our focus. And so we do have a company on store that we mentioned in Solana yeah. Beach. And in 2016, that was 38% of our revenue for the year. Um, and 30% of our revenue was online. This year, we're hoping that we flip that. So 38% of our revenue will come from online. And that will continue to grow each year. Okay. And which seems to be the trend in general. As we see more and more big retailers closing down their stores and really focusing on online sales and consumer experience. You guys were ahead of that. You saw that coming. Yeah, so. and, 
And for us, though, it is still that tactile part is where we struggle, like how we get these fit shops and how we get our clothing in the hands of women across the nation. Luckily, we have such an um, active, engaged consumer, and they're all women, so they call their friends and say, oh, my gosh, you would not believe these leggings I just bought. I look so great in them, and they'll buy them as gifts. So well, and beyond that, the consumer, we have a very engaged influencer program. So we have about 350 influencers throughout the country that wear the clothes, post about oh, the clothes. Awesome. People can touch them. They are for sure engaged. And we have a, a private Facebook page where it's just phenomenal to see what all these women are doing and how they're really spreading the brand um, where they live. And that's that's been significant to our growth. What do you think they're moved most by? The, the quality of the product or your the, the graced by grit story. What is it that, that you think is the most compelling? I think what gets them in the door is yeah. the product because it feels so good and looks so good. But once they become a part of the company, because once you buy a piece of clothing, you're part of the company. And you're loyal and to the brand. Yes. And that has been, you know, they'll tell you now it's it's the company and the engagement, but what got them in the door was the quality of the product. Well, especially because we, we hear them and I mean, they're involved and they're engaged so much so that we get so many emails and posts about when is this coming in a different color I'm ready for a, pa- a pair of pants like these and they know that they can give us feedback or they can say hey I I love this legging that I have but I would make it different and I'd make it with the safety features that you have to offer can you do it and we do I mean we yeah, they listen. know that you guys they are listening, know we're listening. To them. Yeah. yeah we are listening in our customers and we have this incredible fabric that lifts you up and holds you in, right? But our customers said, you know, I'm more and more, I'm concerned about sustainability in my clothing. So we looked and we found suppliers that would manufacture um, our leggings out of sustainable materials. So we upcycle. The pants that Kate has on, you can't see these on yeah. the podcast, but I can, though. they're made they of <laughs> recycled fishing nets. Oh, wow. The pants that I have on are made from recycled bottles. So we listened to our customers, we pivoted, and now we're producing it. And, and you're able to, to pivot quickly. Because we are. Of we manufacture everything size. in the United States, too. Nice. So that has been incredible um, in terms of the ability to turn over products really quickly and to do small runs of things to test them out. Um, but we're at our factories you know, two, three times a week, checking in on the quality, helping them to get organized, and also just making sure that we're turning over product as quickly as we want to. When you go overseas, it's often you know, yeah. a lag time of six yes, months we, before we you see We hear those stories. Yeah. I mean, as a consultant, I hear it all the time. Like, how have I, really, have I really saved much at the end right. of the day, yeah. and what have I lost? Um, well, in terms for us, of it's the value, too. I mean, when we sorry. started, we did go overseas, and we did our that first our batch of products. One of our pieces of advice yeah. was go sure. overseas, the quality of the machine, the machines are all new, the quality's great, and it's so much cheaper. So our first batch was made, uh, we had products made in India and China, and the quality was good to most part. I mean, they lost boxes yeah. and messed up on a few things, but... Yeah. The, the biggest, there were two big challenges. One was communication, which was very difficult. And then the second was the time. We're a small company. Yeah. So if they get an order for, you know, a million pieces from 
a bigger company you're pushed, you're that pushed we're pushed to the back. bottom. Right. Sure. So they sure. get to us when they can get to and us. And it trickles down. Now, all of a sudden, what you offer in customer service, because you're a small business, is you're being robbed of. It's like, right. oh, that's that's right. what I have. That's what I have to give. So right. I, I appreciate that because I think often we think the other way around. We right. think, how do, I, how do I get there? How do I get overseas right. and start creating that? So, Kimberly, thanks for that, actually. I think that lends um, itself into this next or, or lends itself rather to this next question, which is, um, what did you guys think was the hardest part of launching? And then what do you think is the hardest part now in the day-to-day running? Because I know a lot of people think it's the launch that's hard. It's that startup. And I know that you probably have advice otherwise. So tell us, each of you would, if I mean, you I could each answer, that'd be great. the hardest part of launching was just the launching yeah. itself. I mean, we just, the decision to go for it and to say, we're really going to do this. My father said, okay, that's nice, but what are you really going to do for a job? Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 this is really what I want to do yeah. for a job. And he was like, okay, but how are you yeah. really going to make yeah. money? Yeah. It's like, no, we're Who do really you going work to for do this. And can I see <laughs> that pay stuff? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And now for us, um, because we've grown so much in a short amount of time, it's inventory management, which I think you hear often with, uh, with re- or with apparel in the apparel industry. Um, but figuring out what we continue to make, what we discontinue, what colors we go for, how many we make, you know, as we grow. And so just managing that. On a is it not just, is it, is Am I wrong to assume that it's uh, an activity of looking at sales and just basing it on that and well, saying this didn't I mean, sell, this did sell, our growth, okay. and so we and then can, what's on we trend? Can, yeah, we okay. can do that. I mean, we are definitely not making those um, trendy pieces that will go out of style in a couple of months. We're making pieces that you can pull out of your closet in five years from now, not only because of the quality of the product, but because of the elegance of the designs, that they're not pieces that are just fast fashion that are gone. Um, we really want to make sure that, that our that our products last a long time um so it's it's more about you know what are the what's the next product that we go into you know we we launched a cycling kit and we didn't think we would actually get into cycling but the demand was there and we heard it so often that we said okay now we're gonna do it and we sold out in three hours oh my goodness so it was an incredible what what do you think we did a great partnership okay um with a another well-known brand and um that was very successful for us but we did launch our own cycling capri in the mix of it that has done extremely well so you know women are always coming to us telling us what they want to be wearing what we're not making that we should be making and we just have to be careful about what we hear and just staying true to what we've started this business on and the foundation of the business which is making elegant clothing that's you know has the safety features built in that will last a long time it's not it's it's obvious that you've got those core values around design that we know that Anytime we create something, it's got to, it has to meet these sort of standards. And I think for any business, having those in place and measuring everything you do against that is, is key. And I hear that you have that. What, do you have anything to add to that, Kimberly? I'd love to hear what was hardest in launching and what's been hardest in the day-to-day now. I think in launching for us, it was taking the right advice when we were going, when we were getting it, when we launched, we knew what we wanted to do. We knew what felt great. We had so many industry experts giving us their opinion, like sure. make it in China, which we did. But we realized our gut was that we don't want to make it in China. And so now we listen to our gut more and we're making it here in the United States. I mean, we 
in the recent campaign, you know, make America great again. We've been making America great for the last four years. <laughs> yeah. um, and employing yeah. a lot of women. A lot of women, yeah. Factories. And our women, I Love mean, that. that we have such an empowered group of women that make decisions and tell us what's great. Kate was just saying, you know, our customers come to us and tell us what they want, which is incredible. And so now we're launching a golf and tennis line which, you know, we thought we might do. All of our pieces can be used, of course, for golf and tennis, yeah. but now we're specifically going after that market because our customers say, that's what we love to do. So Kate mentioned inventory management. You know, it's, it's hard to decide, okay, we have this much fabric. It would be great in this, it'd be great in that. And also deciding which things will be fun to do. Last year, I was going to planning on doing a lot of traveling. And I said, what I need is a great travel dress. One that I could go for a hike in and I can go straight to dinner in because that yeah. happens in our life. You know, we're trying to squeeze in yeah. an exercise and then I want to meet my husband for a date. Yeah. But I might not have time to change in between. So we developed this travel dress. Then we didn't make a lot of them because we thought, you know, it's for our use. So you can cinch it up and wear it with tennis shoes and go hiking and then let it down. It's a full length dress and put on some platforms and go straight to dinner in it. And it was hugely successful. I was going to say, it's I, amazing. Where, where are they now? Yeah, <laughs> can I it have looks one? great. Yeah. And we're making more for summer. It's just a great dress. And our golf dress, when we designed our golf dress, it's okay, we know how successful the travel dress was. Let's make sure that the golf dress isn't just for golf, that you can put on some sandals and go out to lunch. So you can go in the morning and golf, throw on some sandals and a sweater and Go to a country club for lunch. You understand your demographics so you can serve them in multiple ways. It's like right. you constantly keep thinking like she does. And right. so we are demographic. Our demographic is incredible. It's 30 to 60 years old, right? They often have a lot of discretionary income. They have time and they're athletes. And lucky for us, they have opinions and they share them with us, which we love. Yeah. Well, I, I think they share them because they know that it means something. You know, you get tired as a consumer right. of, of if you feel like it's um, gratuitous, you, you give up, you right. stop. It doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. Okay, somebody just walked by with tights, and I love that both of you guys are like, what is she wearing? Right. Like, what, oh, what no, we that? looked at the whole outfit, <laughs> and we thought, boy, she would look good in our clothes. This is how it all began, just after I'm I sure. on that road that very first time. We could not help but comment on right. what every other woman yeah. was wearing, what looked good, what didn't look good, what they should be wearing that they weren't wearing. Yeah, yeah so, pity the fool that came into our office in that time. We'd walk in, and they would go to the fancy <laughs> sports store, and I, they, one of her best friends came in, and I said, that looks so bad on you. We, we didn't have anything to offer. Yeah. We said, what would make that look better? And try this on, and let's see if we can make that better. So it, that was part of the fun. But Absolutely. And that, by the way, that best friend has hosted a number of fit shops for us, primarily wears Graced by Grit now, yes. and looks fantastic in it. She does. Uh, I'm sure. She really because, does. I mean, it, you become loyal through that process. And also, when somebody's listening to you, you there's a buy-in. There's, right. a, there's a buy-in to the brand. Like, okay, I, now, now I almost have ownership in it. Right. I feel like a part of it. And, you know, Kate mentioned inventory management. It's not only for the new styles. What happens is, you know, women talk to other women. And so we will sell out of a size on our stuff. We'll make it. And we think we've made enough smalls and mediums, but we sell out in two days. And then we have the customers calling and saying, why do you only have this in an extra, extra yeah. small or extra, extra large? So it's figuring out the sweet spot of the sizes. And um, for us, we want to also get 
larger women to our site because we make clothing that makes large women look great. And we found that out the other day. We were at a golf tournament and one of the models, we were doing a TV show, one of the models was a, a plus size, mm-hmm. a larger woman. And I said, you know, how did you find out about us? Because I had never met her before. And she said, listen, I came into your store and she's an athlete. She's a road crew. She played water polo. And yoga she's instructor. yoga instructor. She said, but anytime I go into a store to buy athletic apparel, I feel ashamed of my body. Uh, I get, I feel like I never have my size. They make me feel bad. I don't like the way I look. No one's encouraging me. Yeah, or just you hear that from women who don't want to go to a cycling studio or a gym because they're like, I got to get in shape before Before I can even feel good about that. And you know what? You don't have to wear your husband's oversized race shirt to feel good. You can come in our store, buy stuff, look hot. And that's what she said. She goes, I feel good about myself wearing your clothes. And, you know, I went to your salesperson that day and said, thank you. This is the first time I've gone into a store and not cried leaving. I feel good about myself, and I'm so proud to wear your brand. How Which, rewarding for you guys to hear amazing. that. Yeah. And so we need more large and extra large women wearing our clothes because they'll look great in it. That's And I think also it would be interesting to see when that happens and there – women can embrace wearing yes. the product, what it does to get them yes. into the gym, to start considering themselves as athletes, as right. people who uh, should value taking care of their body or being right. healthy. Because I think it's been a little bit of a, um, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Right. Like, well, if, I, if I'm not going to be able to go to the gym because I don't feel good about myself, it's going to make me feel worse about myself then I'm just going to stay here. Right. And it's it's less about, I think, dropping the weight or whatever and more about them feeling comfortable in their own bodies. And if that can begin with well, the clothing and then lead them to doing the yoga, doing the exercise, reckon, getting in the... We're on that same page. I mean, Kimberly and I, as much as I was saying we were judges at the beginning and telling people what they shouldn't be wearing, we really ultimately find the beauty in every single woman. So we're not looking for an ideal body type. I sure. Mean, it's right. about it's about saying, The judgment is the quality of the fabric right. or how do we yeah, highlight yeah. that. Let's right. highlight all of those features in you that make sure. you feel so great about yourself. Right. And then we're going to design clothes around that. Right. And so for us, that has been great. Also, you know, women, when they look better and feel better, they work out a little bit harder. And yeah. a lot of women will wear our clothing to work and then think, oh, my gosh, I have these pants on. At lunch, I could go for a quick half-hour power walk, still have my nutrition, and get back to work. Yeah. And that's what's pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think they're just in terms of what has become um, – accessible. I mean, everybody's wearing workout wear now. It's it, it it's taken on its own life. And we talked a little bit about that earlier, just the athleisure sort of, it, it's its own um, category. Um, so let's transfer to the um, other portion of the interview where we get you guys giving us the goods, the advice, the tips, the resources. So not specifically um, uh around athletic wear. Okay. But really, I mean, you've got expertise on creating product and on manufacturing, so I'd love to hear some of that too. But what would you, first of all, let's talk about your partnership because I think that's that's something that comes up a lot. Should I get a partner? Um, or I'm in a relationship with a friend. Are we ideal partners? So what would your advice be 
on seeking a partnership on you know did you guys write a partnership plan I have lots of women come to my door and they said we don't we don't have a plan we don't have an exit strategy we don't really know what the future holds but we really like each other we get along so well so we're gonna go into business together and I'm like okay you're like one quarter of the way there there's a lot of planning that needs to happen and you really need to consider what the other one wants out of this what does the other woman want to get out of this so what was what was it for you and how would you advise uh, two women who are thinking about going into business together I mean, I think for us, I mean, timing was everything. And we both, I mean, we talked about that earlier in terms of the timing just being right in terms of we were both looking for something. Um, But beyond that, we spent a lot of time together to see how we work together. It wasn't just that we got along, which we do. And we have the same silly sense of humor, which is also super important. But it's It's how we work together. It's important in a marriage. Totally, totally. And like any relationship, there's ebbs and flows and there's hard times. But we balance each other really well. And we're both committed and I think we did have a plan, and that was right. really ultimately what it came down to is from the very beginning, because of Kimberly's background, and I'll, I'll give her credit for this, it was let's create what this plan looks like for long term um, for this business and, and what we're both going to get out of this. And it was very clear from the get-go what we both had to offer, what we were both going to get out of it. And that's we've stuck to that plan, too. And we we've had inflection us. points. I yeah. mean, for us, in the beginning, we said, okay, let's get – We'll start with $30,000 and yeah. see what's the best thing to do with that $30,000. For us, you know, it was let's develop some prototypes. Let's test, test, test. I mean, before we even made anything to sell, we made 20, uh, 20 samples yeah. of running pants. And we got a group of women to wear them and race a half marathon and tell us what they liked about our design, our fabric, what they didn't like. I mean, our branding on it was somewhat silly, but we'd come up with our branding at the time. We knew the name. We spent money on that, developing the strategy. And at each point, we said, okay, what we need to do at this point is say, do we continue with this? And if yes, okay, now we raise the money for the next round. So that's been really good because we've had a number of inflection points where we've said, okay, do we pivot? Do we continue in the right direction? I mean, all of our clothes right now are amazing for stand-up paddling, for running. Initially, that was going to be our focus, is where that market united, where the stand-up paddlers and the runners united. Um, Because I was more of a stand-up paddler than I was a runner, and she does everything. So um, the clothes would work for everything. Yeah, we figured out the clothes worked really well for both water sports and on land for anything that you used it on. But we thought, okay, that's our niche. We're going to make these great running clothes, and they can also transfer to stand-up paddleboarding clothes because... The market was growing in that. Right. So how did you even handle that as partners? Well, luckily it's quick dry, so it works for runners, it works for all sports. But you were both sold that you could, Mm -hmm. I mean, again, going back to the partnership, it was we both see the value in this, and you needed to both see the value in order to move on something. Right. So how would you advise somebody who's entering into a partnership who hasn't thought through some of those things? What would be the first piece of advice you'd give them? Just start thinking through those things. Yeah, plan. And, and, yeah, and talk to each other and talk about what the goals are. What kind of employees do you want to hire? What type of company do you see yourself building? What are your work habits? What yeah, is That's a really important yeah, and, one. I hear that and a lot. What do we do if your poodle dies if yeah. you know you're having personal problems how do we handle these things in our life and how do we handle them with our employees and with each other and I mean, it's a been a growing and i mean 
to be totally real, yeah. a partnership, we know each other better. I mean, we spend more time together than we spend with our significant others or with our children. Right. But so, we love you guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. But I mean, in terms of the amount of time, yeah. we are spending more time together. And so you have to really be committed to that. And you also have to, I mean, for for us, you have to have the same vision. And we have the same sensibility in terms of styling, and we see people the same. And I think that that's... And the same uh, sense of humor, which sometimes I think our employees and our family might not think is is going on. Right. The day we were incorporating, we'll just say that we thought we were sitting in a very small room filling out all of the incorporation documents. It was super stressful because we had to get it in within that day or we were going to have to pay more money the next day. It was, you know... (laughs) <laughs> for us, the more stress we get, the more really weird things are yeah. funny. So, of course, we're laughing through all of it. We had an intern with us at the time that was helping. And she finally turns to us and she said, okay, are you too stoned? <laughs> Which, of course, only set us into more laughter. Sure, Which then she sure. was like, looking now, at us like, now okay, it's now they're over. totally yeah, we're yeah. like, uh, no, this is just from how, that we, point. how yeah. we cope. But the good news is, I think the more stress we actually do get, the tighter it makes. Right. Uh, and the our more focused we are. But yeah. that, that actual, that story has happened a few times. We had another time we were trying to get legal documents done. And if we didn't get the legal documents done and submitted to the state in this amount of time, then it was even more than the first time. Now, the first time was just a filing fee. Yeah. This was a lot of money and a lot of legal money because it wasn't legal yeah. Zoom any longer. Yeah. We were with real lawyers. <laughs> real, the the and big dogs the, that come in. It was the day of the big heat wave in California, and we have a branded Jeep and trailer that we take to our fit shops in Southern California, and we had two employees who had uh, driven to Thousand Oaks, which is about a two and a half, three hour drive on a good day. But on a 107 degree heat day with with fires flaming through California, so they called us and flames were dancing across the freeway, not knowing that we had 10 minutes to submit our documents. And we were in full giggle mode, panic, like, are these faxes going to go through? And so they called us and said flames were dancing across the freeway. And they wanted water, but somebody was giving free cupcakes. And for some reason, that set us into giggles. And they hung up on us. They wouldn't were so take mad. Our they were call. like, "What is wrong with these two women? Yeah, we're in, we we're, are like amidst fire. like a fire, <laughs> and we were like, we, we don't know. know we are actually live. under fire yeah. right now. So the fact that that's happening to the two of you, you're going to be fine. Yeah, you'll be okay. You guys navigate that. We've got right. our own fire. But the over two here. of them to this day <laughs> will so mad at us. Yeah. yeah, they're like, I don't know what was happening. Right. But I think that that speaks a lot to what you need to look for in that partnership. And the key word that I heard was the commitment. So not only having a good plan for the future, but really being committed to one another and the plan so that when there are ebbs and flows, there's still a single goal in mind. And you can kind of overlook that. Um, I'm going to jump a little bit to um, people who are listening who are considering manufacturing. And we've talked about, you know, should you go overseas and should you not? And I think everybody really has to take a good look at that and and based on what they're doing and what's good for themselves um, and their companies. Um, What would you say to um, someone who is thinking about manufacturing a product in terms of first steps? One of the things I heard you say, Kimberly, is that $30,000 to create those prototypes and and then re-looking at the company and saying should we move forward um i think is whether you intended it to be advice or not it's a great piece Mm -hmm. of advice how would you instruct somebody who's looking at manufacturing in terms of just that first little bit of money that they want to invest like what do what do we do do we 
I'd test it. I'd start small. When we started, we thought our collection would be six to ten pieces of those evergreen products you could have forever. We just released new colors, and it would be great. We still love those products, but our market is women, and women like new styles and like new things. So you have to be able to pivot, but really focus in the beginning and test, 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 and make sure you're comfortable with where you're manufacturing. There are some things that are great manufactured abroad, and you can time it, and you can plan months months and years out for it, but there are some things that you need really fast turnaround. I think for women's fashion, and women's apparel, it's nice to have fast turnaround. We have the leggings I have on are benefit the Chelsea King Foundation. They were so successful that we ended up having to print more fabric and make more leggings. Are we going to make them? Now our decision is, okay, do we make them in the same style we made them before? Or we're approaching summer. Should we offer a Sweet, capri right? leg or a knicker length or offer it in a skirt? So it's just taking what you know works And then building on that, but the very first thing when you're going to manufacture, make sure you have a good design, make sure you test it, test it, test it. So maybe fewer SKUs and test what you have. When you start. When you start, for sure. I mean, and for us, the quality of our product was so essential. So really being engaged with our manufacturers to make sure that they were producing the quality that we needed um, so that we could sell the quality on the product. But also we, you know, and I think we talked a bit about this earlier, was we really want to make sure that we're staying with manufacturing in the United States, but we assume that because it's a manufacturing business that they're organized, they know what they're doing, which they know how to sew, but that doesn't mean that they're organized. So we spend a lot of time helping them to stay organized specifically for our business. And if you go to any of our factories, there's a space there dedicated to Grace by Grit that has them dialed in so that they can't miss a tag Okay, you know, that's a that's cubes. a really important yeah, yeah, yeah piece of just wisdom really that just because you've hired this third party doesn't mean that you can't have some sort of ownership or control no, no, in totally. there. We have a checklist, and you know, we talked earlier about some of our employees being moms. Mm-hmm. That has been one of our greatest asset. We have one employee who came in; she was a retired teacher and a mom. Kids were just about to leave the nest. Her husband was about to retire from his life as a firefighter. And she kept telling us what we needed to do. And she said, but I do not want a job. So that was in our first year of business. She still works for us. And (laughs) her retired firefighter husband... Um, he just cocked the he's, kitchen he's, sink the other day for us. <laughs> yes. Oh, and he's done some repair work on our car. And they're about to head out to one of our pop-ups and pack us up. That's yeah, great. Yeah, they, it, but, but to that point, I mean, really hiring people that can help us to stay organized, too. I mean, we I get in trouble. I'm, I visit the factories a lot, and we have a special notebook where you have to sign everything in and out so there's never anything missing. And I get in trouble by my employees if I do not follow protocols. They're like, should we send her down today because (laughs) she's got a lot going on. Is she going to forget to sign out the tags? Yeah, (laughs) we were packing up for an LPGA event and it was all hands on deck. And as I was about to leave my computer, they said, oh no, you're exempt. (laughs) Because they (laughs) thought I might not check all the boxes that we require being checked. Well, I, I, I appreciate you talking about staying organized, being organized, having protocols, having systems in place. I think that's a large part when people really start to get honest about where they've had successes in that area. Tell us a little bit about um, some third-party platforms, apps, anything that you guys have used that you feel like has been effective um, in helping you be more efficient and helping you 
kind of track what you're about the one forced on us by our employees because well, they are yeah. so good. Yeah, Asana, which is a project management tool, um, has been just crucial for the women that work for yeah, us. and they love it. Yeah, they love it. It keeps, so you know, in terms of it just, it eliminates a lot of emails and a lot of back and forth. I mean, you assign someone a project. But how is that spelled, Asana? A-S-A-N-A. Okay, and we'll put it in the in mm-hmm. the notes at the bottom and of so the podcast. And so we get in trouble, like, like we spoke about, for not using it and sending an email. They're like, oh, you should Asana me that. But, but the beauty of that is you can keep your employees on track with a project. You can see exactly where they are with a project. They can task things out within that project. And so it really helps to to create better efficiency and I think the second most well probably the first most used thing in the whole company is the Google Drive we do all of our documents our investor presentations everything is in the Google Drive photos unfortunately dating back to the very (laughs) beginning (laughs) they're there always always there's some funny Funny, it's good. You got to keep those of in, our, all on of hand. Ideas of names too in uh-huh. that Google Drive. See, that's I think businesses should at some point, like maybe at year five, celebrate with like a bloopers reel of like yes. old names, pictures, like ideas that were horrific. Like, oh yeah, I think, I think we get a bloopers reel all the time because yeah. people will send us stuff that they <laughs> oh, think's yeah. funny of us doing something funny. And you're like, yeah, it's yeah. not funny. That's not <laughs> funny, great. or it is. We'll think it's funny, um, and then. You talked a lot about the importance of your consumer and being connected to them and listening to them. Give our listeners some advice on kind of what is key in terms of developing that relationship with the consumer. What's the, what's the one thing you really want to get right? Listening? Yeah. I mean, I think listening. Obviously, you have to have a consumer first. Yeah. In order it's good, to okay. listen. That is their <laughs> biggest tip of the day. <laughs> but knowing who that person yeah. is that you're right. targeting. And I think for us, we've we've stuck to that. Even though, you know, again, it goes back to some industry experts said, okay, you need to use really young models because every older woman wants to look like a young woman. That's aspirational. And the reality is we want to look at women that are our ages that's looking absolutely great. Right. Right. I don't and want to look at professional models. Yeah. By yeah. the way, they told us yeah. get professional young yeah. women. Where we stuck to our guns is they have to be true to us. They have to be real athletes. So our first models were professional models. They were and they were professional athletes prior to that. Right. And they looked amazing in our clothes. But you know what? I look around the office every day and all of our women look amazing in our clothes. So if you look at our ads now, it's our models shot by our internal we have a woman an artist who came to work for us and picked pack and ship now she does all the visual representation of the brand she takes the photos she she is a model she is a model yeah but we but we use the we use that database of 350 influencers when we need to actually do a photo shoot or show a new product and we say who's a runner we want to we want to take a picture of you and it is not about size it's not about makeup it's, it's not, not about, about age yeah it's, it's if you about, can do it you can do it we're put taking it on. pictures of yeah them. well and then again the consumer is oh it resonates they, so absolutely well it's like customers. they're yeah. they mean it they're yeah. for real and their product is holding up to to what they're saying so let me go let me go try yeah. uh, um to get some okay um we're getting to the very end and i want to ask you guys um there's a there's a statistic out there that makes me cringe a little bit, but it's a it's a reality, and it's one of the reasons that Liberty was launched. Really, how do we enable and equip women to make um, to to make sure to ensure that they're having success in business? So the statistic is that women are outpacing men in terms of starting their own businesses, but which is great news and very exciting news. But the the hard part of that statistic is they're also failing at record pace. 
Um, how do you think women need to better equip themselves in business for success so they can be successful? Where, or where do you maybe even think that 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 failure rate is coming from? Well, if you had to guess. Because it's not because we're not smart. No. We're really smart, right? Well, first of all, four out of five new ventures fail within the first five years. So... And if women are starting twice as many businesses, they're failing twice right. as much. So it's math. So we it's math. got to do the yeah, math. It's yeah. math. This the is sec- engineer. Yeah, right. I love it. That's why we've got <laughs> the, her here. The second part of it is you really need to equip yourself and do look at your product and look at what you're offering and look at your lifestyle. One great thing for women is... And the reason they're starting these businesses, a lot of women are starting businesses around their life. They start consultancies. When my children were young, I had a consultancy. And I had a great partner on the West Coast who would, I lived on the East Coast on the time I lived in New York City. And so she would do this stuff and be up late at night. I'd get up in the morning when it was still really early in California. By the time we delivered our product to the customer... It was great because we took advantage of both time zones. So that was picking your partner correctly for the business you were in. So that was the first thing. But the second thing is really tailor the business to what you want to do. And for us, a manufacturing business is not for everyone. But if you're a woman starting a business, there are so many things out there to help you. What there's not a lot of is capital. And I think that is the subject of another podcast probably because it's extremely okay. difficult for women to get funding it is it's a fact they well, may let's be do starting that. Let's, let's schedule that. we'll get you on the phone and we'll yeah. talk about funding because i think it's an important conversation and it's an important conversation for women to understand it's also an important conversation for us to not be intimidated to have and to come up with solutions it's not necessarily well it doesn't exist so I won't it's well perhaps it doesn't exist so I need to find alternative ways or maybe even start smaller than I thought I was going to be able to and how do I how do I leverage what strength or what resources I do have so I'm gonna hold you guys great we are gonna have that conversation okay Um, now I'm just gonna do a really fun little thing we do we've never had two people so you're each gonna get to answer it's called our um, quick six so I'm going to ask you a quick question and just answer first thing that comes to mind. Do you prefer a nine to five or flex schedule? Kate first. Flex. Flex. All right. I, how did I know that? Uh, vacation in the mountains or beach? Both. Yeah, I'm both too. Oh, the same answer. That's why you guys are good partners. I love it. Um, work from home or office? Both. both. <laughs> I, le- I think you guys should go into business together. I think that's <laughs> a, what, what this uh, is proving. Work alone or with a team? Both. Both. Yeah. Okay, give me the work alone. I'm going to ask you I mean, a little some bit. some focus work definitely Just requires. Just I mean, On the weekends when we're not together, I mean, you have to have, be answering emails and do your some of our focus work or in the evenings or in the early mornings. I mean, we're, we're both up at the same time, but that doesn't mean that we're on a phone call every sure. single morning. Right. But we often are on the same documents or answering emails that are different and just getting ready for the day so that doesn't need us to be together or with our team but it's also super important obviously we're the founders and we're running the company to be with our team and to make sure that we're we're driving that right but sometimes when we're in the office and the team is working and we realize we're not needed we'll get up and go somewhere where we can work alone and be very focused because we're yeah or they 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 tell us that they're like is this another one of those moments (laughs) do you guys want to go get a cup of coffee (laughs) But it's, I think it's important right. to have that time so you guys can be visionary. Absolutely. And work um, on the future of the business and not just in the business. So I appreciate that. Okay. The name of our um, 
podcast is Liberty Sessions. So the last question is, what does it mean for you guys to be liberated? For me? Yeah. Skiing. <laughs> really? I love that. Flying down the mountain without my phone on and anyone yelling at me oh, or talking great. to me. That's a great answer. I love it. Okay. For me to be liberated, I mean, yeah, any physical activity I am totally liberated by. But I think ultimately it's about being able to have options and choices. And the more we grow this business, the more choices that I have personally. I think that's really great. And what's cool about that is everything you've talked about with your brand is liberating more and more women to be able to get out there. So thank you guys for the work that you're doing. Thank you for this time. Thanks for the tears and the story. I love it. And we'll have all the information about how you can connect with both Kimberly and Kate um, at Grace by Grit and um, access their awesome dress that I'm going to be waiting for. The perfect and, travel dress. Um, and other ways to enhance your booty. Yes, <laughs> exactly. that booty. All right. Thank you guys thank so you. much. Thank, thank you very care. much. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. Liberty is spelled L-I-B-E-R-T-Y-F-O-R-H-E-R. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower. And just remember, there is life after the top knot, as evidenced here. See you next week. Mm-hmm.